What's ailing Terry McLaurin, the offensive line, and John Allen, our bi-week commander study coming up on this episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to this episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you're getting this podcast, and you can continue the conversation with me by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Join the Locked On Commanders insider program, and you'll get news, inside scoops, exclusive content like our insider mailbags, end-of-game final thoughts, and more all delivered directly to your phone, plus one-on-one conversations with me via text. I'm going to start doing some insider-exclusive mock drafts where I'm going to lay out some mock drafts, send them to the insiders. You give me your feedback, your thoughts. We'll have some conversations about some upcoming draft prospects. Join Locked On Commanders Insiders now. Be in the know all the time. Just go to joinsubtext.com slash Commanders to sign up. I'm David Harrison, your host for this program, credential member of the media covering the Washington Commanders, for CommanderCountry.com, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I greatly appreciate your continued support for the show. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com slash LockedOnNFL. Use the promo code LockedOnNFL, all in lowercase, to get a first deposit match up to $100 on today's show. This is usually our crossover Thursday episode. Uh, obviously, there's no game because the Washington Commanders are on a bye week, so we don't have a crossover. But I did do a bye week study of the Washington Commanders, looked at some data, looked at some film. Uh, again, as always, whenever we talk about film on the show, because of licensing laws and rules with the National Football League, we cannot show you the clips. We cannot show you the film. Uh, I know other shows do it. They are not owned by major media companies. Those shows that are doing that, they're independently owned by private citizens, and that's their prerogative to take that risk. Um, major media companies will not take that risk, so that is why we cannot show it uh, here on the program. But I'll do my best to kind of describe to you what I'm seeing the best I can. I'm going to give you some specific game scenario situations. I'll give you timestamps and and all those things. If you got the game DVR, if you have an NFL Plus subscription, uh, you can go to those assets and pull them up. Unfortunately, where I get my film, you cannot get your film uh, because it's restricted as to who can have access to it. So that being said, a uh, good mixture of things. So you're not going to have to rely on the tape or having the tape to get to uh, to kind of track everything that we're going to talk about. But we're going to start off with wide receiver Terry McLaurin, right? There's been a lot of conversation, frustration about Terry McLaurin's lack of production this season. And a lot of it is surrounding his lack of usage this season. So I wanted to dive into that situation just a little bit and looking at Terry through 13 games. Uh, currently, Terry McLaurin has 100 targets, 60 catches. 694 yards and two touchdowns. Those touchdowns especially are brutal, right? With four games left, he is projected to have this season 130 targets, 78 catches, 907 yards, 2.6 touchdowns. So two touchdowns because you can't get half a touchdown uh, and have a 60% catch rate. Now, looking at those numbers, they would be tied for the second most targets in his career, second most receptions in his career, second lowest yardage output, second lowest catch percentage, and the lowest touchdown total of his career. So it's not really a usage issue, right? He's being targeted at or above a lot of the other years that he has. And granted, there's going to be an extra regular season game this year, like there was last year. But even if you take off that extra game, it's not like his target, you know, his targets are plummeting uh, to the ground. And what it really is, it's, it's the production 
tied to those targets that's really suffering here. And that is what's giving all of us uh, the impression that he's just not being used enough. Whereas I don't, I think, I don't think that he's not being used enough. I don't think he's being used properly. And I'll get into that here in just a second. And that's ironic because Sam Howell is arguably the best quarterback that he's played with in his career uh, up to this point, which is equal parts impressive for Sam, but also equal parts sad for Terry because Sam has certainly looked like a young quarterback still in development, but yet he's, he's arguably the best quarterback that he's played for. So when we look at how Washington is using McLaurin this season, again, I think that's really where the rub comes in. Most of his targets are coming on the outside. About a third of them are coming from the nine to 19 yards, air yards downfield range. So most of his passes, Sam Howell is throwing the ball nine to 19 yards uh, for the most part. The most commonly run route from McLaurin this season has been the hitch route or hook route, uh, depending on how you know it, followed by the go route, sometimes also called a fade or a fly. Uh, and we also see inconsistencies in his target share through the season. I think that's another part of this equation, which is another reason we're perceiving a usage drop when in reality it's a production drop. Uh, so in seven games uh, this season, he's got fewer than eight targets. In six games, he's got eight or more targets. Uh, but the high target games are obviously less. But then there's also less of a streak going on there. From weeks eight to 13, uh, Terry McLaurin has been alternating between getting fewer than eight targets to eight targets or more each week. They're alternating every single week. So one week he gets less than eight. The next week he gets eight or more. The most he's gotten came in week 12 against Dallas Cowboys. He got 12 targets. His low came just this past weekend against the Dolphins. He got three targets. That's a very wide gap uh, for your number one receiver. On his targets against the Dallas Cowboys, he averaged 12.5 yards per reception on four catches. So all those targets, but only four catches, only 12.5 yards per reception. But the commanders gained only 4.5 yards per target, which is not a good return on investment. In fact, McLaurin is averaging just 6.9 yards per target this season. That's 89th in the National Football League uh, as it stands today. That's the same ballpark as Devontae Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders, which is a great name to be in the, in the conversation with. But Devontae Adams and the Las Vegas Raiders also having a very, very down year. So you see that that impact is not only hitting Terry, but also hitting a guy like Devontae Adams. But that's just kind of relative. That kind of gives you an idea of just how low the production has been this season. So Turning on the film, obviously, sometimes Terry just is not the first or even the second read in the progression. And by the time Sam has to get rid of the ball, he hasn't been able to get to Terry. That's just going to happen. No receiver is the first or even second read on every single rep. Right. But what's not working when he possibly is? Well, one of the first things that popped out, Sam, how he's late. Sometimes we've talked about this throughout the season. Uh, it's part of it's part of the development of a young quarterback. You don't want to excuse it, but you do have to accept the fact that young quarterbacks Oftentimes in the NFL, they want to see something open before they anticipate something being open. That is probably the hardest thing to get through to a young quarterback. Uh, Sam Howell, a lot of times he's very late to Terry McLaurin. So bottom line, Sam's got to get faster on some of these throws. Like that's the first and foremost thing that's going to help uh, improve these things. But even when he's late, Terry McLaurin's doing a really good job of making sure he's coming back on those hitch routes, especially to make sure the DBs can't get jumps on those passes and potentially intercept them. But what that does, if you're coming back to the ball, it's also shrinking the amount of yards gained at the catch point. And when you're talking about hitch routes being the majority of his routes this season, you're talking about a low yak uh, possibility, yard after catch possibility. So when you're shrinking the yards gained at the at the reception point because of the late passes, you're, you're taking yards away potentially uh, every single time you're throwing these types of passes. So that's really big. There was a play against Buffalo earlier in the season on first and 10. We're seeing how hits Terry McLaurin on a hitch while he's rolling to his right. But from the point where the route comes open, if you stop the tape where the route comes open and Sam Howell then throws it to him, Sam rolls another five yards or so uh, on the field before he actually throws that ball. He ends up leading Terry McLaurin 
to the sideline. Terry makes the catch, steps out of bounds. If he throws it when the route is open, if he's anticipating it and throwing with that anticipation because he's ready, McLaurin has enough space from the defensive back that he's broken off from that he can actually make the catch, turn up field, and gain probably about five more yards. Again, it's small in the grand scheme of things. Like You look at it and you say, Nine yards on first and 10 at the Buffalo 33. What are you complaining about? Well, nine yards on first and 10 at the Buffalo 33. That becomes 14 yards at the Buffalo 29 or 28, right? That's a lot, lot better uh, of a circumstance for the Washington Commanders. The extra five yards to Sam Howell rolled on that pass before he threw it because he wanted to see it and confirm it open. Could have been an extra five yards for Terry McLaurin to gain on that pass in a game of inches. Five yards can be a mile. So there's other times where he's double covered. Hitch routes, again, are not primarily uh, yak opportunities. And then the play call uh, design at times is is flawed. Uh, on the Giants pick six, the pick six that, that Sam threw uh, against the New York Giants, Terry's running a hitch route, but his break point is nearly 20 yards downfield against the defense that's been bringing and getting pressure against Sam Howell all game long. McLaurin is the first read, but the other two receivers – also have similar breaking depth, so they're all running deep routes. By the time any receivers break off their stem on this play, uh, Sam Howe's already under pressure. His only outlet short is Logan Thomas, who's running a flat off of a block and release. So even his short outlet is taking too much time because he's trying to hold a block first. The left side of the line just simply gets beat by the Giants pass rusher, specifically Dexter Lawrence, rips right by Chris Paul to force pressure. Uh, and to be quite honest, Sam kind of panics, tries the ball to throw, tries to throw the ball out of bounds. Uh, it doesn't get there. Leads to a lame dunk pick, lame duck pick six by Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, seals the deal to, for uh, the New York Giants to beat the Washington Commanders. It's a bad play call on first and 15. Literally, you're trying to get all those yards at once. Uh, and, you know, look, you have 29 seconds left. You need a touchdown. I get it. But a 20-yard hitch route isn't going to score a touchdown. It's not going to get the ball out of bounds either. You're not going to stop the clock. Uh, nine times out of 9.1 times, that's not going to work no matter what happens. You got to give your quarterback a chance as a play caller, as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, on the field, on the clock, on the scoreboard. To me, that's just a bad, bad play call. So, again, the usage isn't necessarily down. The targets are there. The production is low. And I think it's because a lot of those hitch routes are hurting it. Last season, most of Terry's routes were goes, posts, digs, or routes that led to Terry catching the ball in stride, being able to do things with his legs this year. Their hitch routes. He's already run almost twice as many hitch routes this season as he ran all last season. So to me, why is Terry being plagued? It's the usage. Some of it's pass. Uh, some of it's play calling. A lot of it is route design. Uh, but some of it's also on the quarterback himself. Got a lot of requests for offensive line reviews this week. So we're going to dive into that next coming up on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're doing that thanks to our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. When you are hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible for you to interview. And that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn isn't just another job board because LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals on it, which makes it the best place for you to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows the small businesses are wearing so many hats that you may not have the time or resources to find the right hire. So thankfully with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and it's easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks. 
Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders first listener, first view today and every day, every dayers. Thanks again for coming through. Come back tomorrow. We're going to wrap up this week again. We don't have an opponent to talk about, but we are going to have some stuff to talk about, including a recent sign from Josh Harris and the ownership group on why Ron Rivera may be out the door at the end of this season. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Continuing our bi-week study of the Washington Commanders coming up here. We just talked about Terry McLaurin. Now we're going to talk about the offensive line. Now, unfortunately, with such a late bye week this season, there's little, if nothing, that the team can really do to change what's going on at this point in the year. But we're going to take a look at how this line is doing. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not really looking. So like Terry McLaurin, I, I mentioned a play against the Buffalo Bills super early in the season. I'm not looking at anything offensive line related before week eight, because as we know, Week eight is when Tyler Larson came in for, for Nick Gates at center. Chris Paul is when, uh, or Chris Paul came in for City Charles at left guard. So really, I'm looking at everything since then because that's a massive, massive change. Um, and to be quite honest, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of fruit to be gained. I'm talking about the offensive line group that was prior to this one, especially with so many weeks under their belt. Since then, uh, the Washington Commanders have had 62 blown blocks in past sets, according to Sports Info Solutions. That's the second most in the NFL behind only the New York Jets. And Washington has the fourth highest blown block pass rate uh, in the NFL. So while I do think things have gotten better since Tyler Larson and Chris Paul have come in, they're still not very good. Uh, who's the biggest culprit? Well, for that, we turn to PFF premium stats. So this is a little bit of, a, of information from everywhere. We find the data matches the eye test. It's Charles Leno Jr. and Chris Paul giving up the bulk of the pressures uh, on the left side there, Chris Charles Leno Jr., your left tackle, Chris Paul, your left guard. Uh, they're giving up 22 of the 44 pressures that the commanders have tallied uh, since week eight, starting week eight, uh, according to PFF. That's 50% of those for everybody counting at home. Uh, the right side, Sam Cosme and Andrew Wiley have given up 13 of the 44. That's 30%. Tyler Larson himself has given up nine. That's 20%. Obviously, there's more pressures. And all that stuff that the tight ends, running backs, or whatever have given, but we're looking at the offensive line, so we're sticking to the offensive line. Uh, so obviously, the left side, from a pressure standpoint, has been more problematic. So looking at that left side, some things that I noticed on tape: uh, Chris Paul very passive in blocking, and this is something that we talked about during training camp. Every dares, if you've been with me for for quite a while now, you're going to remember me talking about Chris Paul in training camp, where I tell you he's got some of the tools, he's got some of the skills. What I don't like about him is his passive uh, nature on the football field he will set a block and then from that point on he will not continue to fight to hold that block all the time now sometimes he's got really good reps don't get me wrong but too many times chris paul is just he just becomes passive on the on the field uh, a lack of awareness from the duo on that side uh, remember uh the deep pass that sam Howell tried to throw to terry mclaurin against the miami dolphins it fell incomplete in the end zone if you remember that really close pass right almost completed could have been a really big play uh, all that stuff, the commanders end up getting a touchdown on that drive anyway, but that play specifically kind of feels like a letdown. Well, on that play, when you go back to the tape, Miami brings six pass rushers on that play, and they run cover zero behind it with McLaurin going uh, going out on an inside release go route. That's the perfect route to run Terry McLaurin on against cover zero. You want him, again, we just talked about this, you want him going vertical or you want him going horizontal to the line of scrimmage. You want him catching the ball in stride where he can do the most damage. So they dial up a vertical, they dial up an inside release, and they dial it up against cover zero. Boom. Everything is perfect, except for the fact that David Long is in Sam Howell's grill when he's trying to throw this ball. Terry McLaurin wins at the line of scrimmage 
immediately. Sam Howell's running play action. As soon as he comes out of play action, he looks to number 17. He sees that number 17 is behind Xavier Howard, and he goes to throw the ball. But because David Long is doing a breath check on Sam Howell's face at that, that moment, that ball goes high. It goes off trajectory. It falls incomplete. Why? Because two commander's blockers just watched as David Long ran right by them. Those two guys, Charles Leno Jr. and John Bates. Uh, because of that pressure, the ball is over Terry's outside shoulder. Again, remember, Terry's on an inside release. So you try to get that inside release, keep that leverage up the stem, and then Sam Howell can throw it over his inside shoulder. Uh, the ball's over the outside shoulder instead. So now Terry's trying to track the ball on the wrong shoulder, running full speed downfield with a helmet on in the bad weather. And oh, by the way, he's got Xavier Howard over his right shoulder as well, because again, he beat him on the inside release. So now he's got this dude in his blind spot trying to look up for the ball at FedEx Field. Uh, it's just, it's a really hard thing to do. And we know Terry can do it. And I'm sure that Terry would tell you that he's got to bring that in. But it's if, if you can't make that route and that situation any harder than the Washington Commanders did in that situation. If Sam Howell can step into that ball, I promise you it's on the inside shoulder and it's a touchdown. Uh, and I know, again, eventually they get one anyway. But that confidence booster, that momentum shifter in that moment could have been very, very big, and they missed it because it's a terrible, terrible block. Instead, Sam Howell gets plastered, and now his confidence in his protection uh, is shaken. To be quite honest with you guys, it's a, it's a very disgusting example of how to not block uh, for your quarterback. And, and I don't know what Charles Leno was thinking. He comes out in his set. Uh, there, he, he literally blocks nobody. Like, there's nobody coming. David Long starts pursuing the line of scrimmage, and Charles Leno just sidesteps. He just opens the door. Uh, for him. At least John Bates tries to get over. You know what I mean? Like, that's not even his dude. John Bates tries to get over. It's late. You know what I mean? But he tries to get over at least. Uh, but Leno, literally, I mean, go back and watch it, guys. He literally just steps out of the way. You got six rushers coming and two guys blocking air while a Miami Dolphins linebacker physically assaults your, your young quarterback. It's ridiculous. Honestly, it's ridiculous. But, uh, you know, hey, look, at least Charles Leno went and helped Sam off the grass. You know what I mean? Um, at least he did that. So, uh, it's, it's very frustrating, guys. A lot of problems are communication. Uh, a lot of the problems are mental agility. You see, for example, Sam Cosme later on identifies a guy that he's blocking. Then the defensive line shifts. Uh, so you need to be able to shift with it. You're in zone blocking. You're not man blocking. So you stick with your zone because when you don't, as Sam Cosme, when you leave your zone to follow that man that you identified, Andrew Wiley now has to cover his zone and your zone. Because he's doing that, Andrew Van Ginkle is now in your quarterback's face uh, with, a, with, a, with a ton of quickness. Um, and even though the Miami Dolphins brought four rushers on that specific play, you got five blockers. Uh, they still get immediate pressure. Um, it's just it's not mentally flexible. You're not mentally agile as a unit on the offensive line there. It's killing the Washington Commanders pass protection. I know that's the right side specifically there, but it's happening on both sides. So it's a good example of what's happening. Uh, just happening on the left more often. Uh, Charles Leno Jr. is getting walked right into Sam Howell way, way too often. Uh, he's getting beat on the inside way too often. Every offensive lineman, every offensive tackle will tell you you can't get beat on the inside. If you're going to get beat. You have to get beat on the outside. You cannot get beat on the inside. Charles Leno Jr. knows that. He doesn't need me to tell him. doesn't need you to tell him. He already knows that. Uh, there's an eight-yard loss later on on a screen pass to Brian Robinson that Hal has to get out of, of his hands way too quickly. Can't let it set up. Can't throw the ball appropriately because Miami Dolphins, they did play it very well, the screen. But if Sam can set up and throw the ball to Brian Robinson in a good position, they actually still have an opportunity to make a play out of it. But because Chris Paul just gets eaten alive, at the snap, Sam has zero time to react. Uh, he's just got to get the ball out. Brian Robinson catches the ball, and he's smothered for an eight-yard loss on a screen pass, which Washington Commanders are one of the best teams uh, doing it in the National Football League. So while the left side has been giving up the most pressures, Andrew Wiley has been giving up the most sacks on the right side, according to PFF. Uh, 
there, there's a lot going on there. A lot of the same things that we're talking about, uh, lack of communication, getting beat inside, lack of agility. At the end of the day, guys, this offensive line, they're not talking enough. They're not mentally agile enough. They're not strong enough. They're not athletic enough. That's the scouting report on the commander's offensive line. And uh, really, outside of Sam Cosme, it's pretty much all over the place. Sam's not perfect either, but he's probably the best of the bunch. These kinds of studies are obviously never fun. Very frustrating when you're talking about a 4-9 team. But we're going to talk about the squeakiest wheel of all of them next. John Allen's study coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. And this bi-week study is brought to you by Skylight Frames. Is there a better gift to give your loved ones than, well, your loved ones? Partially due to me being in a military family, my family spread all over. I've got family in Colorado, California, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio, and I live in Virginia. Custom cards with family portraits are a popular thing this time of year. But updates and new photos are appreciated all year long, not just during the holidays. And that's where the Skylight digital picture frame can come in. You gift it during the holidays, but really it's a gift that you can keep giving all year long. Give it to new or expecting parents who can load family photos and chronicle their family's growth throughout the years or to the friend that you took that amazing trip with that you just don't get to catch up with often enough. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame and you can send photos to and you can do it before you take it out of the box. So it's a picture frame that you can literally preload before you even gift it. Upload pictures all year long with your with your cell phone in seconds. And Skylight offers a satisfaction guarantee. They're so confident you'll love it. They offer a free 120-day return policy. Skylight frames are top rated with over 1 million happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and it's available in over 30 countries. As a special limited time offer to our listeners, get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash locked on. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash locked on. That's skylightframe.com slash locked on. John Allen has been voicing his frustrations this season lately and uh, you know earlier in the season as well. And many want to know if he's the loudest part of the problem or if he's one of the few good spots on the team that is just being let down. And, and I think that the end, the takeaway of it, John Allen's still very talented, but he is certainly not blameless in this whole situation. His metrics are kind of all over the place. He's certainly valuable to this team when you compare him to his, his backups, his replacement, right? Um, wins over replacement and all that stuff. But stacked with the rest of the league starting defensive tackles. He's not grading out uh, as well. Stat-wise, he's got 40 combined tackles on pace for 52, which would be the lowest total he's had since his rookie season where he only played five games. Uh, 15 quarterback hits is on pace for 19, which is more than last year, but fewer than 2021. Still would be the second most quarterback hits he's had in his career. And five and a half sacks has him on pace for seven total, which would be fourth most in his career. Either way, uh, this is his fifth season with five or more sacks and third in a row. So like his metrics, his stats are also a mixed bag, positive in the pass rush category, not as positive in the rush uh, rush defense category. His per snaps pass rush metrics are up this season, while his defensive metrics or his rush defense metrics are down. So Allen has a 6.8% stop rate in run defense right now, which is 24th among defensive linemen that have at least 100 rush defense snaps. There's 58 of them in the NFL, so he's about middle of the pack when it comes to that rush defense metric. Uh, his missed tackle rate is 16th out of 58. So that's not bad. It's not, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It's more on the good side than it is anything else. Uh, but it's not that he's missing tackles, really. It's basically he's not making plays in general. Uh, and that's kind of what the numbers say. So when I turn on the tape, that's what I was looking for. Is is it that John Allen is missing plays or is he just not making plays? They're not the same thing uh, necessarily. And I get that he's frustrated. You know, he's getting double teamed a lot, especially now that Chase Young and Montez Winter are there. Uh, but there's a play that's, that sticks out to me 
uh, when a guy like John Allen talks about never quitting and being a professional and, and knowing what you're playing for and all these other things. And it, and it came on second and eight. Uh, the Dolphins have the ball to Washington 45. There's seven minutes, 53 seconds left to play. The game is over. You know what I mean? Like This game is done. We're just waiting for the clock to tick, to tick loose. But you're wanting to see if these guys are going to quit. And, you know, and a lot of people were asked after the game, did they quit? And and their, their head coach stood the podium and said, no, they did not quit. Well, Miami has their backup quarterback in the game at this point. But if you're a leader on this team, you don't do what John Allen did on this play. Uh, on this play, John Allen lined up as a three-tack off the guard, left guard shoulder uh, into the Dolphins' left side B-gap uh, on his assignment. At the snap, the left tackle crashes down on John Allen uh, to block him, while the left guard and everybody else runs to the right for the rest of the play. The run is a right-side stretch play coming out of a traditional eye formation. Allen moves down the line. He eventually sheds the left tackle in pursuit of the running back. As he is pursuing the Dolphins running back, that running back cuts back in towards Allen because cornerback Benjamin St. Juice sets the defensive edge on the perimeter, forcing the running back's play to come back inside. John Allen sees him. The running back sees John Allen. And instead of making a hit, putting an arm out, going down to the ground, anything, John Allen runs right by the Miami Dolphins running back. Uh, the running back actually ends up running into his own blocker because he's bracing for impact from John Allen that never comes. And while he's bracing for that impact, he runs into his own man, gains about five more yards while he's stumbling to the ground. And a second and eight becomes a third and one when it should have been about a third and five or a third and six. Uh, I'm sorry, but if you're a leader on this team and if you're going to be the guy standing in front of the cameras saying that you're sick of this and saying that you're thinking you thought about leaving and you might be better off somewhere else. You can't make this kind of play like this can't be something that you, that's BS. It's a BS play bottom line. And as a leader of this team, you can't do it. You just can't. You cannot wear that captain's patch. You cannot stand in the middle of these guys on a pregame, every pregame, clapping your hands, talking about do your job, talking about I know what I'm playing for. They got to fear what they're playing for, talking about pride, talking about all this stuff. And do that. The very next play, third and one, Allen gets stood up on a one-on-one block against the left guard, does nothing to try to shake it. Uh, the Dolphins get 15 yards. It's, it's not through John Allen's gap. That's not the point. Again, if you were going to be the man talking about on the radio, talking about how you're sick of losing and you're sick of all of this stuff, you cannot be doing those kinds of things. If you're going to play like that, just go to your coach and say, hey, they've got their backups in, sit me. Like, just, just, just call it done. We'll tell everybody, you know, the game was out in hand. Let's get the young guys some reps. But if you're going to be on the field, and you're going to wear that patch and you're going to give the speeches and you're going to give the buzzworthy clips on social media and in the locker room and on the radio. You can't do it. You can't. It's 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 the most hypocritical thing that you can do as a leader. Bottom line, you don't get that that leeway. Listen, like I'm sure there's somebody out there saying the game was over. He's beaten up. He's been getting double team. He's frustrated. All those things. Fantastic. As the leader of this team, if that's who you are. You don't have that excuse. You don't get to do that. You know who gets to do that? Fedarian Mathis, John Ridgway. You know what I mean? Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams. Those guys get to do that because they're not leaders on this team. If you're going to be a leader on this team, you don't get that excuse. You just don't. Um, John has the talent. You know what I mean? Like when you look at the tape, he's got the talent. He can get he can get off blocks. He can get in the backfield. He can pursue. He's got all the talent in the world. But he's lost the heart. Like, honestly, that's what I see on this tape. When I, when I go back to the tape, uh, and I'm going to be truthful with you guys, I didn't even watch the entire season of him because I can't. I can't get past some of these other things that, again, you're going to stand up and be a leader on this team. You're going to go on the air on a radio station and tell people how sick you are of losing, and you're going to tell people how you've thought about you might be better off somewhere else. Well, dude, if this is how you're going to lead, this team might be better off without you. Like That's just the honest truth. Like We want to be honest 
That's the honest truth. You talked about if I don't tell you that I've thought about a thousand percent, I thought about leaving this team. I thought about I might be better off somewhere else. I wouldn't be honest. Well, John, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you that's kind of stuff that I see on tape from you on occasion can't happen. It's BS. It can't happen. And you know it. You've been told it by your coaches. And if your teammates aren't telling it, I promise you they see it and they know it. Uh, again, he's got the talent. He doesn't have the heart. Uh, he wasn't double teamed on every run, guys. Uh, but he was getting moved around all day by Dolphins guard Liam Eichenberg, who has a 53.4 run blocking grade, according to PFF this season. So, you know, and that's early in the game. And it's late in the game. It's when the game's not in hand. It's when the game is in hand. Uh, it's throughout the tape. Uh, again, if he's lost that much heart and he's lost that much willingness to lead this team, um, then maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's maybe it's better off for him and the team if John Allen just moves on. For now, we're going to move on. That's going to wrap up today's episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'm going to talk about the uh, the draft implications of this weekend's NFL schedule while the commanders are off. We will talk about the playoff implications just because the Washington commanders are still technically in the playoff race. I know. Um, we're also going to talk about something that came out recently that kind of indicates that maybe Josh Harris and the ownership group already know they're moving on from Ron Rivera and this staff. In the meantime, if you got questions or comments for future episodes, throw them in the YouTube comment section or text me directly by becoming a lock insider. Join subtext.com slash locked on commanders. As always, thank you so much for making a locked on commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, thanks for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Don't forget, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you every day, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to a first-of-its-kind 24-7 sports streaming channel. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.